Amen. Praise God. Good to see you this morning. Glad everybody's here. We're going to rock and roll with Jesus today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One other prayer uh, item. Um, I didn't want to break the flow of what we were praying just a few minutes ago, but uh, I have a great grandson. His name is Isaiah, and uh, he's four months old, and he's in the hospital for the third time, and um, it's a, a breathing issue, and so uh, I just uh, would like to ask you to agree with me right now in prayer. I, uh, I'm tired of the devil trying to pick on the little ones, and um, some of you know and some of you don't, but he had a viral infection when he was less than a month old, and uh, he made it through there. And then uh, he went back in about a month and a half ago just with breathing difficulties and again this time. So um, we, we believe that God will open his airways. He wasn't a premium or anything. He weighed 810 when he was born. So, you know, he was there. <laughs> Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for little Isaiah. <clears throat> God, we thank you that you promise us that delivery and health and wholeness is in the name of Jesus. So he himself bore our infirmities and carried our sicknesses. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And we lift your word to you in remembrance, and we thank you in advance that Isaiah is totally made whole. We declare wholeness in his little body, and we declare the name Isaiah to be the man of God, to be able to preach the gospel of deliverance and salvation. We thank you, Father God, that this very day you have visited earth in his little body and taken care of this whole situation as we put our total trust in you and the word you've given us. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, thank you. Praise God. Well, some of you uh, know the people here today that are visiting us. Some of the people. We've got several visitors today. Um, but um, uh, Joe and Joyce were with us, what, a couple of months ago? Uh, they're about on a Wednesday night when we do one of our, our Wednesday night worship segments. And so y'all liked them so much, we brought them back. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, Joe and I go back to, uh, I was telling the group, I think that probably, weren't you in the elite band in sixth grade? Because he was the drummer of Ponca City, okay? He, nobody else could touch him. Well, I was playing clarinet in the sixth grade, which I've kind of left it behind me. And uh, anyway, uh, that's kind of when we first started knowing each other. And uh, went all the way through uh, that year in junior high, as they used to call it, in high school. And we won't talk about a whole lot of things that we used to do back in those days. But we've all been saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit. So. <laughs> uh, but I praise God. It's so wonderful when you meet uh, people that you've known for so long, you see what God has done in their lives. And uh, Joyce is right there with him. She's the reason he's probably doing what the things he's doing. You know, wives have a tendency to be uh, encouragers. So, uh, and she has quite the ministry herself. So we brought, the, brought them together today, and we want to give you, ask you to give a great big Church of Tomorrow welcome to Joe and Joyce Schrader. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Pastor Dan. What a what a blessing, and just to be here. And uh, you know, it's amazing. I, I was just uh, telling Pastor Dan uh, last night um, how amazing God is to bring us together, 
all of these years. You know, a lot of our classmates that uh, we graduated with, they're, they're not here anymore. You know, they're gone. And, um, but thank God we're, we're still here. Amen. And uh, what, a, what a great blessing just to know that, you know, that uh, uh, the Pastor Dan's serving the Lord and um, uh, God got a hold of him, God got a hold of me, and God's got a hold of you. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He's got great things for you. So thank you so much um, for uh, just receiving us. It's such a blessing to be here. And all of our friends from uh, uh, Oklahoma City that we've known uh, in, in the past, too, and, and uh, many of them are here today. And we're, we're so glad to see you, see your faces. And, and uh, uh, God's just doing a great thing uh, in the earth today among his people. And... Uh, the good news is we can all be, you know, part of it. And uh, uh, many of you know Joyce, my wife, and, uh, you know, the Lord gave me a prophetic word before I ever met her that God was going to join me with somebody that had a like spirit uh, from a prophet. And uh, when I was, I was in the Oklahoma City airport and um, a prophet who had, I'd heard speak in Ponca City about a year before, was at the airport, and uh, I saw him, and, and I went up to him, and I said, you probably don't remember me, but my name is Joe Schrader, and I heard you speak in our city at the Full Gospel Businessmen's chapter. Uh, he was a lieutenant colonel uh, in, in the Army, and, uh, but he would speak on the weekends, you know, to Full Gospel Businessmen's uh, meetings. And anyway, he looked at me like he was looking right through me with x-ray vision. And he, he spoke many things to me that were just, I mean, and, and the Lord healed me. And uh, he said, God's going to join you with somebody that has a like spirit. And the Lord sent Joyce into our church in Ponca City. And I'm telling you, telling you what, you had to be led by the spirit to come to our church because we were one of those churches, you know, that most of the people in our town couldn't understand, you know. We were full of the Holy Spirit, and we believed in healing. We believed in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We operated in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So uh, he led her uh, to our church, and, and I got, I said, that's her. I, Bob, the minute she walked in the door, I knew she was the one that God had spoke about, and uh, she didn't have that revelation, though. <laughs> Until quite a bit later, and then finally she got the revelation. You know, it takes some people a little longer <laughs> to, get, to get the revelation. Uh, she thought I was a little forward, you know, because I just went right up to her. I mean, I thought, well, here she is. Let's just, you know. But we have to let the, uh, the Lord do it, right? He can show us things that he's going to do in our lives, but we, we have to let him do it in his timing. And uh, that's where patience comes in. Hallelujah. Through faith and patience, we inherit what the promises of God. Praise the Lord. So Joyce has uh, some, uh, a few things on her heart. I ask her to go ahead and, and share with you, and then I'll, I'll be uh, sharing some with you. Okay. You want to? I'm more worried about getting up there than I am at talking. There you go. There you go. All right. 
have to remember to keep this where it needs to be. Let me move this. Well, Dan and Joe graduated from the same high school the same year, and they've been wonderfully brought back together again because now they both are serving God, and I'm so happy about that. Um, I'll give a brief testimony of mine because not all of you were here the last time I was here. But um, I was born and raised in northeastern Oklahoma. And Joe and Dan, their class was big. Their class was measured in hundreds. My graduating class was so small, we knew each other's middle names. <laughs> With me, it was, what you doing, Joyce Ann? Where are you going, Joyce Ann? I'd say, nowhere. Gary Lee, Gary Lynn, Gary Don. There were so many Garys. It must have been the number one baby name that year because they were, most of them were in the same grade. And then there was Sharon Ann, Linda Rose, Donna Sue, and I better stop there because you're already overloaded. But that's how close we were. And I graduated in 1972 just in time to go to Oklahoma State University in time for the great move of the Holy Spirit that occurred uh, beginning in the 1973-74 academic year. It continued the next academic year, and it was all over the United States, and that's where I came to know the Lord was baptized in the Holy Spirit. We got a zeal for God, a hunger for the Word, a hunger and thirst for righteousness. We got it all. Whoever prayed for that knew what they were doing. They prayed for everything, because we, we got everything. And... Um, there were just thousands. It wasn't just dozens or even hundreds. There were thousands of students who came in to the kingdom of God during that time. Um, this morning, I want to talk about God's wonderful word and how important for us it is for us to read it every day. And this morning, I gave this paper to your pastor I have it up in my kitchen, and so I see it every day. And it says, four principles to maintain. Number one, read the Word of God. That's where it all starts. Number two, consume the Word of God until it consumes you. Number three, believe the Word of God. What good are number one and number two if, if number three isn't at work to believe it? Number four, act on the Word of God. And the man who uh, came up with this was Smith Wigglesworth. And I can tell that some people know who he was. He was a plumber in England. <laughs> that's what he chose to do for a living. He was born in Yorkshire, that's northern England, in 1859. He died in 1947. And that seems such a long time ago, but in Second Peter, the third chapter, it says, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. It's contemporary for the Lord. He doesn't forget. He doesn't forget what we do. He doesn't forget these things, and we're not to forget them either. We're to remember the great works of God, and we're to get encouragement from uh, the lives of uh, believers that have passed on before us. In fact, Hebrews 11 is all about that. It talks about men and women... Said I wouldn't do this. That means I'm really supposed to say it. 
The world was not worth the world was not worthy of these people that were mentioned in Hebrews 11. What they did, and they died before they ever saw Christ come, but they believed anyway. And they walked in faith anyway. And we're to do more, no more, less, no less than what they did, to walk in faith. And to continue on with our friend Smith, um, he was saved at the age of eight. He lived in a very poor family, didn't learn to read, and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit at the age of 48. His first wife, who died, you know, left him a widower. Uh, she taught him to read, and uh, at 48, he began his public ministry to preaching, healing, miracles, including raising people from the dead, and he wrote several books, and of course, he was not perfect, but nobody is and after he died, doctors that examined him said that some of the bone on each of his kneecaps was missing. And later, others went into his house, and they found two indentations about a foot apart on a wooden floor in the corner of his house, in a corner room of his house, wood has give to it. And so he was not only a man of the word and faith, he was also a man of great prayer. And we need to do that too. That's one of the basic tenets of the Christian life is to pray daily. But I'm going to talk about reading the word today. And first, um, I'm going to start with uh, some statistics, so I'll have to read them. Uh, for American churchgoers. And there's a, a company called Lifeway Research, and they've come alongside the American Bible Society, and they have been keeping track of our reading habits, Bible reading habits, for 10 years now. So they must have started in 2010. And the first uh, study I saw was in the 2014 one, and it said that only one in five churchgoers read their Bible every day. And another, nearly one in five, never, never read it outside of a church service. And I thought, oh boy. Then everybody in between was reading it anywhere from several times a week to once a year. And our ministry has a convention every year, and I would share this every year, trying to encourage people to read their word every day. And I kept looking at the studies, because they'd make a new study like every two years, and it wouldn't get any better. <laughs> and so I'd have to go back to the convention, well, it's still one in five that's reading the Bible every day. But something happened in 2020. I think we all know what it is. <laughs> God makes good things out of terrible things. It said, at the beginning of 2020... Bible reading was at 48%, the lowest in the 10 years of the study. By January 20, 2021, it had increased to 50%, and this was the highest percentage increase in four years, and it doesn't sound like much, 2%, but we're talking about millions of people. That was some more millions that were reading their Bible. And in January of 2019, this was before the pandemic that we all fortunately 
came through. I should say, blessedly, we, we came through it. Um, 35% of people did not read the Bible. That's the January of 2019. And then in, in the summer of 2020, it dropped to 31%. Now, that was the middle of big, the big year of the pandemic when people were dying and we were all shut in our houses and couldn't go out and all that. But it did, it actually, God used it to do good. And it continued in May of 2021, 29% of Americans said they never used the Bible. That was down from 31%, the lowest since 2010 when the study began. It's amazing what uh, being in your home and, and having more time and then just being afraid. The uh, sales of Bibles shot up during 2020, made, made records. And a lot of these people did not know the Lord. But they were frightened. They realized they were finite. They might die. And it might not be that long. And so I said, oh, God, open up their understanding. <laughs> because the natural man does not understand the things of God. But God has mercy. And I said, please, God, open up their understanding that they will know and they will be saved. Now, are people reading the Bible on a regular basis? Today, 32% are reading it daily, and that's up from one in five. 27% read it several times a week. 12% read it once a week. 11% read it a few times a month. 5% once a month. And 12% rarely or never. And there is research done on the impact of Bible reading. Not just are we reading, but what happens to us when we are reading the Bible. And it shows that reading the Bible four times a week is the very minimum amount necessary to see significant life change. One to three days a week shows some effect, some effect on your personal life as opposed to not reading it at all, of course. But we want the maximum effect. The maximum effect is everyday reading. Give us this day our daily bread. When Jesus said that, I looked up the word, and bread does mean loaf, but then he also said he was a loaf. He was the bread of life. So his word, his inspired word, is our spiritual bread. Now, why do people not read their Bible every day or even outside of church? The main reason they found was it was challenging to make sense of it. And that's probably why a lot of people just want to come and listen to someone who has uh, gone through it themselves and, and chewed it up <laughs> and digested it, and then you know you, you get get it until it's easy to understand, and you and know it's it's been looked at. However, we still need to read it ourselves every day, and my first response to well I don't understand it is read it anyway. <laughs> That's what I did. Read it anyway. Now, like I said, when you're unsaved, it, it really is hard to understand. But remember, once I got saved, and this is a long time ago, I was a sophomore in college. Once I got, because I'd read it growing up at home. Sometimes I'd go to Bible studies. My best friend was a pastor's kid, and they'd have Bible studies there, and I'd read it for that. But it didn't really mean that much to me because I hadn't had the experience. There is something to be said for experience. Because <laughs> when you're saved, 
Jesus breathes his Holy Spirit into yours, your spirit, and then it opens up. I noticed it opened up. And then I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then it really began to open up. And you can also ask the Lord to open up your understanding. And don't get discouraged when you're reading the Bible. Maybe you're tired. The only time of day you have is after work and you're tired and you're about to go to bed and all that. Of course, it is better to read it in the morning if you can, but life happens. And even though you're tired, remember, you are spirit, soul, and body. You're a triune being, being like God is a triune being. He made us that way. And your spirit's getting it. And the Holy Spirit lives in there. So you're getting it. Um, and those who haven't read their, through their Bible yet, or maybe you know somebody who hasn't, what I did, um, the lady, well, other college student that had prayed for me to receive the baptism, she, I was telling her that it's, it's kind of hard to do this you know, on a consistent basis because it is kind of difficult, especially when you're sequential like me and want to start in Genesis. Um, <clears throat> she said, well... What I did is I found an easy-to-understand version. And back then, there was a controversial, easy-to-understand version that had just come out. It's called the Living Bible. Back in the, this is back in the 70s, yeah. And so I got one of those. It was called The Way, and it was an Old and New Testament. And I read through that, and it was, it was really a lot easier to read. And so I just got through it for the first time. Then I went on to other um, versions and another interesting statistic LifeWay Research has is that only 20% of Americans have read through the entire Bible at least once. And of these, only 9% have done that more than once. You know, the Bible's a whole book. We're to read the whole thing. Some people just read certain books or passages, and then that's all they read. But we're meant to read it over and over, and... Uh, that's what I've been doing for all these years, and it's wonderful. Now, to help understand the Bible better, some pointers here. Context, context, context. Know what it's talking about. Now, the Bible was not only always divided into chapters and verses. Somebody got the bright idea to do this. Um, I believe it was in the 1800s. And one of the problems that whoever did it if you've ever noticed, if you have a Bible that shows you where the paragraphs are, I have an open Bible, and it, it has the number, the, the verse that starts a paragraph in bold, and the chapter will start in the middle of the paragraph, or just after it started, or just before it stops, and some verses are divided, divide sentences. Verses divide sentences. Anyway, so... What I do is, when I close my, before I close my Bible for the day, I go back up. No, I'm sorry. I, I, go, I go down into the next chapter until I finish the paragraph or the thought so I can get a better view of the context. And when I open it up again, I go back up to the chapter before and read a few sentences, a few verses of it. And that helps you um, to understand what things are talking, what it's talking about, and there's other ways to find context. You know, look at the uh, all this, all the verses around it and see what it's talking about. Like in uh, Timothy, what is it? Uh, Timothy, the third chapter. 
it talks about do not sharply rebuke an elder. That's been taken out of context a lot. That, that's what we've done a lot. We've taken that verse out of the context, and we miss its meaning. And what it would mean, what people would mean, is you don't rebuke a church elder. But that's not what it's talking about. In the New American Standard Version, it says an older man, and that's a better translation. But he's talking about different people in the church, the older women, the older men, younger men, younger women, and how to treat them. That's the context of that verse, um, that, that uh, paragraph there, what he's t- actually talking about. So it's very important to get your context right. And another point, and Joe and I have had a prophetic ministry since 2001, so when we incorporated, and we've uh, worked with people, uh, teaching them how to move in the spiritual gifts, and um, I have noticed a direct correlation between daily Bible reading and how well people can move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So that's another reason to read your Bible every day. And um, also, we can study the Bible on our own. I know the leadership does, but uh, they can't come and sit with you while you're reading your Bible and answer your questions. So... <laughs> We can uh, study it ourselves. I personally believe that every home that has a Bible should also have a concordance, preferably that translates the words into the original languages, because it's amazing the difference that makes. I have a Strong's exhaustive concordance. It's two inches thick. You don't have to buy one of those if you don't want to, but they're very handy to have around. And there's also computer programs, I'm sure, that you can get to uh, do this. And there's also Bible dictionaries. Regular dictionaries, Webster's, thesauruses, that's where you look up synonyms, study Bibles. There's a man named Josephus, if anyone has ever heard of him, and he uh, writes a lot of history. Because sometimes it helps to know what what, uh, Scripture means, to know the history of it, and the customs of the Jewish people at the time. And um, I'll give you an example of a word that I looked up that is completely different from what has been presented. When I looked back and looked up the Greek meaning of the word, it's when uh, Herodias' daughter danced before Herod. He had this big party, all these hundreds of people there, and he was trying to impress them. These movies about the life of Christ have her dancing by herself because it says the daughter of Herodias danced before Herod and pleased him, but she's all alone, and depending on which movie version you watch, it gets wilder and wilder. And I always looked at that, and I thought, I wouldn't give up half my, half my kingdom for that. And I found out that that's not how it was. The uh, word means uh, regimented or regular dancing, and it comes from a word that means like soldiers standing shoulder to shoulder. There were a number of people in this dance, apparently, it's something that uh, it's either a type of folk dance or she came up with it herself and choreographed it and managed it, and she probably did dance in it, and it was something to behold. It was quite a show, and that's why he was so pleased, and that puts a whole different spin on it. Instead of this girl twirling around and jumping and falling back on the floor and whatever they have her do, but that shows you how the difference that it makes but you know we can't now we can't look up every word too much study makes you weary but as you can 
Uh, I would suggest once a week, look up something um, and consume the Word of God until it consumes you. You are what you eat. That means that when you take in food, the nutrients go in and, and uh, nourish your body and either make it work right or work wrong, depending on what you eat. <laughs> we want to eat good food. Good food nourishes our body. The Word of God is good food for our spirit and for our soul. And you have to eat enough to get full. Um, and you will get hungry again. That's what the hunger for the Word is. It's like eating food. You eat, but you got to eat again. You read the Word, you got to read it again. And um, now this is a long time ago. I think I started with two chapters in the Bible. I did that a long time, one in the old, one in the new. And then in the church we were attending at the time, this lady gave a ladies' Bible study. And I think she'd been a teacher at the university, which means she probably had her doctorate. And that's where I learned how to use the Strong's Concordance. I inherited it from Joe. When I got married, he had it. And it stayed there, you know, I wasn't doing anything with it. And she says, if you got one, bring one. So I did, and she showed us how to use it. And it opened up things for me. And she also challenged us to read four chapters a day. And the pastor's wife echoed her, yeah, yeah. I go, oh. So I started doing that, and I was reading it. And some of them are a lot like if you're in the Gospels and reading two of those a day and then two in the old that are also, they can be long too. It'd take me up to half an hour. And I said, Lord, this has gone so long. And he says, drink your tea. I said, what? Drink your tea. I drank tea in the morning. I, that was when I was a tea drinker. I'm a coffee and tea drinker now. But I would drink my tea when I would pray. And he says, wait until you read. So I waited until I started reading my Bible, and it worked. It's amazing that God's right. He is. He always is. I started drinking the tea and reading my Bible, and it began to be a pleasant experience, and now I don't have to drink the tea anymore. I just read the Bible. I love reading through it. And I do have to admit, though, that in 2012, when I started working again, I cut down to three, but that still gets you through. There's 1,189 chapters in the Bible. Four chapters a day get you through in less than a year. Three chapters get you through in a little over a year. So you're constantly going through the Word of God. And also memorize, ruminate, meditate like a cow or a sheep. Joshua 1.8, we're to meditate on it day and night, the law of the Lord. Psalm 1.2, same thing. Because a cow not only eats grass, they've got more than one stomach to digest. So we can think about the word, meditate on the word, and even memorize the word. I like the three-by-five cards. Some people use their phones. Imagine that, to write things with to, for their memory. I never could do that. Joe's a computer guy, and I'm the opposite. <laughs> I use paper and pen. Oh, well, just so you do it. Now, number four, believe the Word of God. We've got to do that, like I said, and that's what makes principles one and two work. The world, the flesh, and the devil are the enemies. Don't agree with them. Be full of the Word of God. What's in the heart comes out the mouth. When you're here with your brothers and sisters, when you're at the coffee shop with somebody, when you're at work, speak the positive Word of God out your mouth. Speak the principles of God out your mouth. Don't uh, speak doubt and unbelief. That never saved or healed anybody. 
that's doubt and unbelief. And then I'm almost through. Number four, act on the word of God, obey it, and then go out and do the works of Jesus. See those people saved, healed, miracles. See situations changed. And I encourage you to read the Word of God every day if you're not. And if you are, memorize, meditate, ruminate. And may the joy of the Lord be your strength. Okay, praise the Lord. Everybody stand up and stretch a little bit. We get the blood flowing. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to God. <laughs> okay, you may be seated. Uh, hallelujah. Well, I appreciate that word. How we need to read the word of God. That's how we know what's, uh, what's there. Hallelujah. It works, doesn't it? And uh, God's word is true. We can, we can stand on his word and we can believe his word and we can operate in his word and we can do all those things. You know, it was just, uh, it's just amazing. I, I was looking at this microphone. And, uh, it's got a number on it. It's number 17. Now, God can show you things through numbers. God speaks to me all the time. I see a number in the natural, and, and uh, it just opens up some things for me. Well, see, 17 is a... I was born on the 17th day of May. So, in my hand, I've got a mic here, and... Uh, it has number 17 on it. And I just found out recently, I didn't even know this, that the number 17 means victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, when I heard that, I thought, well, praise God. It was a victorious day when I was born. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, we need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. You know, sometimes there's nobody else around to encourage us. I thank God for the encouragers in the church, but sometimes they're not around. And so we have to learn to what? Encourage ourselves in the Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. He wants us to have a good, healthy um, uh, idea about ourselves, yes. knowing that we are fearfully and we are wonderfully made. Hallelujah. God knew what he was doing. You know, I crack my wife up, you know, in the morning I'll get up and I'll go in the bathroom and I'll look in the mirror and I'll say, thank you, God, for making me so beautiful. <laughs> and she just laughs. You know, we need to have a good self-image. Hallelujah. God didn't make any junk. God knew what he was doing when he made us. Quit comparing yourself to somebody else. Just thank God for the way he made you. Now, 
he is going to transform you and bring you from glory to glory and from faith to faith and from strength to strength. He's going to do those things as you follow him. But you can thank him. He made you just the way he wanted you to be. So appreciate that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, I want to talk to you today about team ministry, learning to work together. Uh, you know, unfortunately in the church, it seems like, uh, and it is true, God wants to bring us into what? The unity of the faith. It talks about that in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, that's why he raised up apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in Ephesians 4.11. What? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry until we all attain to the unity of the faith. But it doesn't start there. It starts, if you'll look in the first part of Ephesians chapter 4, it starts with the Apostle Paul telling the Ephesian church to walk worthy of the calling Walk worthy of the calling. And then he, he goes on to talk about preserving the unity of the Spirit. So it starts with the unity of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings us into a place of unity, and then we come into a place of the unity of the faith. We begin to think alike because we begin to understand correct doctrine, we begin to understand uh, sound teaching, and so we come in into that place. And so, uh, you know, the Lord's called us to work together as a team to help build His church. The Lord's building His church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Confess that. When things aren't seemingly going well, just confess the Lord's building his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, the book of Acts is full of men and women working together in the plan and purpose of God. We see men like Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Silas, husband and wife couples, like Aquila and Priscilla, uh, women like Lydia, Phoebe, and Mary, Brother Rufus, who God calls a choice man in the Lord. You can read about that in Romans 16, 13. How many messages have you ever heard on Rufus? <laughs> I didn't see any hands go up. The Apostle Paul called him a choice man in the Lord. Well, what a, uh, what a testimony. A choice man uh, in the Lord. You know, as I look to the Lord for a message about team ministry, uh, he gave me five one another words. Five one another words. You know, five speaks to us about grace. It speaks to us about the fivefold ascension gifts of the Holy Spirit. And let me just say something about the calling of God, you know. 
We are to walk worthy of the calling. Every one of us has a calling. Every believer has a calling. It's not just five-fold ministry calling. Now, thank God for the five-fold ministry calling, but we all have a calling. Uh, and the Bible's clear on that. We need to understand God's called us. God has called us for a purpose. God's called us for a plan. And so God wants us to learn to work together to build up his church. We are the church. The church is not this building. Thank God for this building, beautiful building. But the church is not the building. Um, and unfortunately, we've gotten enamored with buildings. <laughs> you know, the physical brick and mortar buildings. But it's what God is building in the hearts of his people. That's what is count. That's what really counts. Nothing else really counts. Uh, because all of these buildings, one of these days, are going to be gone. But we're not going to be gone. We're going to be living somewhere. And um, thank God that we have everlasting life. Think about that. If we're a believer, we, we've got everlasting life. We've got eternal life. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Going to be with Jesus forever. Doesn't get any better than that. Hallelujah. Okay, well, the Lord gave me five uh, one another words for working together as a team, and we all need to learn to work together. doesn't matter what our place is, what our position is, um, where we're at as far as our role is concerned in God's kingdom. We need to learn to work together. And the Lord spoke to me and he said uh, five things, five one another words. The first word is love. Uh, the second word is respect. The third word is enjoy. The fourth word is fight. And the fifth word is build. So God wants us to love one another, respect one another, enjoy one another, fight for one another, and build, build up one another. Love one another, the first one. We see in John 13, verses 34 through 35, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. How's the world going to know out there that we're his disciples? They're going to see the love that we have for one another. You know, I love the body of Christ. The Lord's uh, just given me the privilege of going to many countries, 18 countries, to minister the gospel. And I never dreamed that would happen when I was walking the streets of my hometown, Ponca City. But the Lord had a plan. The Lord's got a plan for you. 
And he can take you anywhere. He can take you into the most amazing places. But you know, I found out that the body of Christ is the body of Christ wherever you go. Hallelujah. The people of God are the people of God wherever you go. doesn't matter what country it is. Hallelujah. It's amazing. Uh, one of the, the elders in Northern Ireland picked me up from the, the airport uh, when I f- flew into Belcrass, uh, Belfast, and that, that's where they built the, um, the Titanic. Remember the Titanic? Boy, they were saying, this boat's never gonna, there's no way this boat could ever sink. Well, boy, that was arrogance, wasn't it? That was pride, wasn't it? Uh, the pride of man, you know, causes... A lot of problems. Well, we know the Titanic sunk, doesn't it? And I thought about that when I flew into Belfast. But you know, the brother picked me up, and I was staying at his house, and, and he was uh, taking me around to the different cities in Northern Ireland to minister. And the minute I met him, it, it's like I knew him, you know? You know? The Apostle Paul says uh, that... that he knew people by the Spirit. By the Spirit. Hallelujah. So if we belong to Christ, we have the same Spirit. Hallelujah. And it's a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful thing. The Lord says that I'm giving you a new commandment. <laughs> Love one another, even as I have loved you. You know, it's impossible to love people if you don't realize how much God loves you. You know, more and more, I'm just realizing how much God loves me. The devil tries to lie to you, tell you, you know, oh, you're, you're worth, worthless, you're never going to amount to anything, you're not getting ahead, things aren't really working well in your life. He's such a liar. He tries to discourage us, tries to bring us down so that we won't realize how much The Lord really loves us. And it's so true. Jesus loves you. You know, there's times I meet people, go go to the drive-thru coffee place uh, where we live, and and, uh, and I'll just tell the the girl that waits on me. I said, did you know I've done this a a few times? I said, Jesus loves you. And all of a sudden, you know, I could just tell she was just bummed out. When I saw her, you know, you can just look at people sometimes and you can just see they're, they're just bummed out and they need to hear a word, a word of encouragement. And God will give you those words to speak to others because you realize how much he loves you and how much he loves everybody. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him would not perish but have everlasting life. You know, Jesus told us, uh, you know, it's not how much Bible knowledge that we have. It's not how gifted we are. It's not what position we have in or out of the church. But people will know that you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. That's how they're going to know. So guard that, you know, protect that. 
Praise the Lord. I was just talking to a, to a man yesterday, a, a couple that are friends of ours, and, and uh, his wife was just saying how her husband just always got offended so easily. Somebody would say something, and boy, he'd just get offended. And, um, but she says, now he's over that. <laughs> I thought, well, praise God. That's, that's spiritual maturity. Yes. You know? Don't, don't build, let people, you know, put things on you. People are going to say all kinds of things, you know. And um, don't be offended. Doesn't matter what they say, don't be offended. Just, just bless them if you can, but don't be offended. There's some of you that have been offended recently, and the Lord wants you to know that he wants to release you from that. Don't go over that over and over and over in your mind because it will bring you down. God doesn't want you down. God, God wants you to stay strong. He wants you to be built up in him. Okay, the second word is respect one another. And we see in uh, 2 Kings Chapter 5, verse 1, this is a, the account of Naaman. It says, Now Naaman, captain of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man with his master and highly respected because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. This man was also a valiant warrior, but he was a leper. Um. So he, he had a testimony. Uh, he, was, he was respected by people. And he had earned that respect. You know, a lot of people want respect, but the, they, you know, it, it, it's hard to, to get respect if, if you, you know, if you're not doing right, you know. And uh, people will honor uh, men and women who, uh, who, who do things right and, and consider others above themselves. See, that's what a true servant is, you know, serving one another. You know, we all like to be served, but Jesus said the greatest in the kingdom is what? A servant of all. Hallelujah. And so, uh, Naaman had this great testimony uh, among his men and among the people. And uh, we know that there was a young Israelite maiden, and she said, well, you know, if you'll just go over to Israel and see the prophet, Elisha, you'll, you'll get healed. And so he went and uh, took, a, took a lot of his men with him and they got to the prophet's house, and, and prophet Elisha wouldn't even come out of the house. <laughs> but he sent his aide out, you know, his assistant, and uh, the assistant goes out and says, here's what the prophet wants you to do. Go dip in the Jordan seven times. 
go dip in the Jordan seven times. You know how nasty the Jordan is? We have better waters where we're from. You want me to dip in the Jordan River seven times? Well, that was the word of the Lord through the prophet. And at first he was going to go, hey, I'm going home. I've had enough of this. The guy doesn't even come out. He doesn't even come out and see me. Don't you know, don't you know who I am? I'm a valiant warrior. You know, where is the respect? Where is the respect? Well, the prophet was just obeying the Lord. He wasn't trying to be mean. He wasn't trying to offend the guy. You know, God doesn't want us to be mean and just try to offend people. I've seen people that just, I, I think, I don't know, they just seem to be mean. Like, like they want to hurt you or something, you know? And the prophet wasn't trying to be mean. He had the word of the Lord. You know, God was dealing something with something in Naaman's heart. And I'll tell you what it was. It was pride. And his own men said, listen, if the prophet had told you to, you know, do something really grandiose and everything, wouldn't you have done it? And he said, yeah. I said, well, just, just do what the prophet said. And so finally he does. We know the story. And he dips down. One, two. What if he got out after two times of dipping in the Jordan? Would he have gotten healed? No. The prophet said seven times. You know, we have to obey the Lord. Whatever the Lord tells us to do, we need to really obey it. Now, sometimes we need to get confirmation of that. God will confirm his word. Remember uh, the, the story in, in Judges. And um, there was a man there, and he, uh, he, he, he needed all kinds of confirmation. And the boy, he wanted confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. And so it's okay to ask for confirmation. It's all right. But, um, you know, um, there comes a time we just need to obey God. And finally, Naaman obeyed God. And when he obeyed God on the seventh time when he came out of the water, he was totally healed of leprosy. I'm talking about respect. So see, he had a lot of respect from people, but he needed to respect what the prophet told him to do. And of course, finally he did, and then he received the blessing. Uh, in Ephesians uh, 5:33, <clears throat> the Bible says that wives should respect their husbands. I can tell you, as a, as a husband, that's true, you know? Um, it blesses me when my wife respects me. Men need to be respected. It's just something uh, that, that God made us, the, the way we are, that we need to be uh, respected. Um, and then... Uh, in 1 Timothy 3, verse 2, it says, <clears throat> it talks about that one of the qualifications for an elder 
<clears throat> is that they have respect for people, from the people, respect from people. This is an earned respect. You know, nobody wants to follow a leader that doesn't have any respect. And you have to earn that respect. How, how do you earn that respect? Well, by being faithful. Faithful to the Lord. Faithful to your family. Faithful to your boss, your leaders. Um, those that, uh, that God has, has put over you. And God puts people over us. And he does that for a reason. Uh, you know, sometimes we don't like that. Or sometimes we think that uh, those things need to change, but uh, God knows exactly what he's doing. And, boy, I mean, you know, I, I think it's great to have a Christian boss. I remember the times when I didn't have a Christian boss. And, um, but I had to submit to them. And I had to do what's right unless they told me to do something that would cause me to dishonor God or, you know, or compromise my faith. I wouldn't do that. Uh, but otherwise, I, I had to do what they told me to do and, and to do it joyfully. I remember when I was stacking groceries in a grocery store. I'd just gotten baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I got that job, and... and uh, I remember the, the verse about do your work heartily as unto the Lord. So, boy, I was just stocking those shelves with cans, you know. And that was the day when the, the sackers would carry your groceries out to your car and put it in your car. I know some of you don't have any concept of that. But that's the way it used to be. <clears throat> At the checkout, you didn't check out yourself. There was a checker. And uh, sometimes that kind of irritates me. I thought, what is this? We're doing all the work. I thought I came in here to buy groceries. And, and now I have to go through a self-checkout and do all the work myself. How things have changed. You know, it used to be that uh, you go to a filling station and they'd pump the gas for you. They, they'd, they would wipe off your windshield. You know, they'd check your oil. They'd check your tires. And uh, not anymore. Self-service. Man, how we have fallen, I'm telling you. But you know, when I was in that grocery store, I was so caught up with just wanting to please the Lord. I'd stock those shelves and, and I'd just... And, and I started singing in the spirit, you know, I, quietly. I didn't want to, to flip anybody out, you know, but I would just go, I just love you, Lord. I praise, thank you, Lord, for giving me this job. Thank you, Lord. Help me to do a good job. And so I would, I would just stock those shelves, and then I would take a break. You know, we'd take a, we're supposed to have a 15-minute break. And uh, I would only take about 10. I'd go back and start, start uh, stocking the shelves. <clears throat> well, boy, my fellow workers, 
They thought, boy, you're, you're just trying to show us up, Joe. What are you doing? You know, what are you doing? Well, I, I wasn't trying to show them up. I really wasn't. That wasn't my heart. My heart was I just wanted to do a good job because I wasn't working for man. I was working for the Lord. And I knew the Lord was going to reward me. You know, he works through men. He works through situations. But I knew that it was going to be the Lord that was going to reward me if I had a good attitude. And so I just continued to do a great job. And, you know, finally, the bond bread man came to our store. And he saw how hard I, I, I worked. And he said, hey, he said, uh, there's a, my wife works for a pest control company, and um, they have an opening. You, you, he said, I've noticed how hard you work. He said, you ought to apply for that job. And, uh, and you know, I did. I got that job. And um, the Lord gave me more money. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to encourage you to um, do your work as unto the Lord, not for man, because he will reward you. Hallelujah. Okay, the third one, another word that God gave me was enjoy one another. Enjoy one another. We see in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 24 through 26, There's nothing better for a man than to eat and drink and tell himself that his labor is good. This also I've seen that is from the hand of God. For who can eat and who can have enjoyment without him? For to a person who is good in his sight, he is given wisdom and knowledge and joy, while to the sinner he has given the task of gathering and collecting so that he may give to the one who is good in God's sight. This, too, is vanity and striving after the wind. You know, you really can't have true enjoyment without the Lord. I don't care how much money you have. I mean, you know, all these billionaires, you know. You can tell a lot of them aren't happy. Because they're always trying to, to find happiness. And it's because they don't know the Lord. If you, if you know the Lord and you're really following the Lord, you can be content with such things as you have. And you don't have to strive after those things. You can, you can rest in that. You can be at peace in that. And God wants his people, when they come together, to enjoy one another. Just sit down and enjoy one another. And, uh, boy, I found that that can be difficult because some people want to put on a mask. They want to be something that they're really not. And they can't just, we used to say all the time, let let your hair down. And uh, let your hair down. You know, relax. Enjoy one another. Look at somebody and just and, 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 and see some things that are positive about that person. You know, we can, we can always find fault. I mean, you know, you, you, know, you, you can, 
you can go there. But when, we, when we're around people, God doesn't want us just to judge people and, and think this and think that. Just enjoy them because God created them. And especially your brothers and your sisters in the Lord. Just sit down and relax and enjoy the goodness of God when you are together. So, uh, and, and God also wants us to enjoy the things that he blesses us with. In 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 through 19, The Apostle Paul told his spiritual son, Timothy, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Do you know God wants to to bless you with things so you can enjoy them? Not that you'll make an idol out of those things and replace God, but he gives us things to enjoy. Instruct, uh, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves a treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Hallelujah. God wants us to have an attitude of gratitude. You know, I, I get up and, and uh, you know, I've got a jacuzzi. And um, I didn't always have a jacuzzi. And, uh, but thank God I've got a jacuzzi. And um, the older I get, the more I thank God for that jacuzzi. And I'll get in there and I'll just say, thank you, Lord. You you knew I needed this a long time ago. And I thank you for it. And I thank you that I have a home. A lot of people don't have a home. A lot of people have to live on the street or somewhere else. I lived on the street for a while when I was a hippie. And I'll tell you what, it's no fun. It's no fun. I remember one time in Houston, Texas, when I was sleeping on somebody's living in, on their living room floor in a sleeping bag, had no place to live. My partner in crime had stolen everything that I had and my apartment, and I was destitute. I was living on the street. I I didn't know where I was going to stay. I found myself in somebody's house living uh, and sleeping in their living room. And it was on Christmas Day. And I thought, what is, what's happened to me? It's Christmas Day. I should be with my family. And here I am, all alone, sleeping in a sleeping bag, have no, no place to live. And God allowed everything that I had just to kind of crumble, which was the best thing that ever happened to me. 
because I hobbled my way home to my hometown. But thank God, because that's where I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where I, the Lord totally turned me around. But you know, more important than things are people. Never replace things with people. People are the most important, your family, your brothers and sisters, your pastor, your elders, your leaders, hallelujah. So, so much more important than things. So enjoy what God gives you, realizing who gave it to you. God can add to you and, and add to you and add to you. As a matter of fact, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Praise the Lord. Okay, the fourth one, another word, is fight. Not fight each other. Fight for one another. Hallelujah. Thank God for the intercessors in the church that, that pray. They have a real special burden. We're all to pray. We're all to intercede. But I thank God for the intercessors, those that really God has anointed and called to stand in the gap for others as the Holy Spirit leads. Hallelujah. To see real victory in their lives. In Judges chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, we see the account of Judah and Simeon. Uh, the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I've given the land into his hand. Then Judah said to Simeon, his brother, come up with me into the territory allotted me that we may fight against the Canaanites, and I in turn will go with you into the territory allotted you. So Simeon went with him, fighting for one another. He says, you go and help me get the territory that God's given me. And when I take that territory, I'll come and help you get the territory that God has given you. Hallelujah. Fighting for one another. In James 4, verses 2 through 3, you lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasure. We have to be careful with our, with our motives. And um, in 2 Corinthians 12, 20, it says, For I'm afraid that perhaps when I come, this was the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Corinth that, that he started, that I may come and find you to be not what I wish and may be found to you to be not what you wish, that perhaps there will be strife, jealousy, Angry tempers, disputes, slanders, gossip, arrogance, and disturbances. So, um, God doesn't want us to fight each other. And if we, if we 
start to get into doing some of those things, we need to repent, you know, and just ask God to forgive us and to purify our heart so that uh, uh, we can begin to fight for one another and not against one another. The last word God gave me about team ministry, learning to work together, and listen, that's a key thing. We have to learn to work together. It doesn't come natural. You know, when I first got married to Joyce, I thought, well, great, I've got my wife. I mean, here's a fulfillment of the prophetic word. Praise God. Everything's just going to be wonderful. Boy, did I get a surprise. And did she get a surprise? So she's different than me. She doesn't think like I think all the time. She doesn't act like I act all the time. And so over the years, we've had to, to learn to work together because God had call, called us to be a team. God has called husbands and wives to be a team, to work together. Work together to raise the family. Uh, work together to do whatever God has called them to do. Some husbands and wives are in business and uh, together, and, and some are in, in ministry type things, uh, uh, ministering the Word of God. Uh, but whatever it is, God has called husbands and wives to work together. And it takes a learning. You have to learn to do it. And you have to deny yourself. Listen, when we got married, and, and, and I, I still have to watch it, I, I, I'm, I'm, I was impatient. You know, boy, I just, man, I want to go. I'm, I'm, I'm a point-and-shoot guy. Boy, let's, let's, there it is, and let's go get it done. And, yeah, you know, and, and I didn't consider anybody else. Didn't consider my wife, my favorite boy. It was just like, man. This is where we're going, and that's what we're going to do, and I can see what we need to do. And, you know, it's good to see what you need to do. Thank God for the, the uh, revelation that we get by the Holy Spirit. But we have to learn to be patient. We have to wait many times. And, boy, that, that was hard for me. I didn't want to wait on anything. Man, I believed in microwave ovens before they even invented them. <laughs> I want my food, and I want it now. A couple of minutes. Praise the Lord. But thank God that over the years, he's mellowed me out, and he's still got work to do. You know, but he's doing it. And when I get in a situation where I start to lose my peace, I, I think, okay, God, just give me patience. Please, just give me patience. You know, you can rest your way through anything. I worked for some Chinese people one time. Well, for about 11 years. And... Um, Boy, they'll, they'll wait you out. <laughs> they'll wait you out on deals or whatever it is they're doing. Boy, they, they'll wait you out. And I learned something 
from the Chinese that, boy, that there's something about just being patient and waiting till things come around, you know, and not jumping the gun. And uh, so it's important that we be at peace and, 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 and rest and let God work through that. Okay, so God has called us to um, build with one another. And it talks about this, and we can see in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. I tell you, Ephesians 2.22 just has really come alive to me over the years. God is building a habitation, his habitation, hallelujah, in our spirit, in us, in our temple. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit, praise the Lord. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy, Holy Spirit. And so he's building us together, and it's a great foundation built upon the apostles and the prophets. Ephesians 4.12 tells us that uh, it talks about the purpose of the fivefold ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, we need all of those five. And they're still operating today. Don't let anybody tell you there aren't any, any apostles or prophets today. There are some churches that say, oh, the, the apostles, they all, you know, the apostle Paul was the last, last apostle, or some of them, I don't even know if they recognize the apostle Paul. They said, well, there were just 12 original apostles, and there were 12 original apostles. But my goodness, all you have to do is read the book of Acts, you know. We see Peter, uh, of course, he was one of the original 12. But then we see Paul, and uh, we see Apollos, we see Titus, we see a lot of, there's a lot of apostles uh, that were not part of the original 12. And um, so the apostolic ministry is still functioning today. The prophetic ministry is still functioning today. We need all of the fivefold ministry to be functioning. We need to receive from all of them. They're important. They each have a role to play in what? Building up the body in various ways, various ways according to their gifting, according to their anointing that God has given them. Uh, praise the Lord. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5:11, therefore encourage one another and build up one another just as you are doing. Always encourage people, always build up people. Hallelujah. I thank God for the encouragers in the body of Christ. There are some people that really have a gift of encouragement. And I love that boy, because they just go around encouraging people all the time. 
And um, what a blessing. But God wants us all to encourage each other. And look at the qualities in people that God has, has given them and, uh, and encourage them. You know, that's one of the things a prophetic does and prophets do. Prophets are able to see what God wants to do in your life sometimes and are able to call that forward, forth. Other people might not see it because they're just looking at the outward. They're just looking at the natural and they don't see it. But true prophetic gifting enables you to see the potential in people, God's potential. What is God saying? You know, what does he want to bring forth out of that person? And so as you, as you prophesy that, sometimes you just get a word of knowledge about that. Sometimes... Um, uh, you just know. A lot of times I just know things by the Spirit. Other times I may hear the voice of the Lord. Um, sometimes I have visions. But most of the time I, I hear the voice of the Lord, or I just know in, in my knower, <laughs> in my spirit that's connected with the Holy Spirit. I just know certain things. I'll tell you, it's been so exciting recently because I would ask the Lord, I, I would have a problem, and I'd ask the Lord, say, Lord, how do I solve this problem? And it wouldn't be long, and I would just know. I would just know exactly what to do. And I did it, and praise God, success, success, success. I'll tell you, God wants us to hear his voice. And if we hear his voice, and we just step out into doing what he shows us to do, he'll work it all out. You know, so many times we strive and we strain and we just think, oh, you know, and, and, and we get into the flesh. And the flesh isn't going to give us the answer. But the Lord will always give us the answer. Praise the Lord. So he has called us to encourage one another, build up one another. Hallelujah. Uh, in Ephesians 4, 16, it says, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself. God wants every joint in his body to supply. And you know how, he, how that supply comes? <clears throat> By the proper working of every individual part. The proper working of every individual part. You know, if we stay in our lane, not try to get into somebody else's lane, <coughs> excuse me, not try to do something that God hasn't called us to do, just stay in our lane and be at peace and realize that we can work in that lane. God will anoint us. He will bless us. He will give us grace. He will give us anything we need to function because he wants us as an individual, as an individual member of the body of Christ, he wants us to work properly. And if we're functioning properly, then 
we are going to cause this joint to supply because God has connected us all together. All we have to do is look at our human body and realize what a wonder it is that we have hands, we can grasp things, we can walk, we can see, we can hear normally, we can talk. What, how magnificent we are. We are God's greatest creation. He created animals. He created a lot of things. But we're his greatest creation. He loves us so much. Loves us so much. Praise the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 14.1, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. And that can go for, for a husband too. Husband or wife, you know. It's easy to tear things down. Listen, it doesn't, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to go tear something down. But it takes the wisdom of the Lord and the understanding from the Lord to be able to build the way God wants to build. And God is building his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Today is March the 3rd. I mean, it's March, the third month, and it's the 19th day. So today is the 19th of March. And I was thinking about this, and I thought immediately of Acts chapter 3, verse 19. And uh, the Apostle Peter is, this was on the day of Pentecost after the big outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem. And Peter gets out and begins to preach, and he says, repent and return. Repent and return. The Lord wants us to repent. Whenever we sin against the Lord, he wants us to repent. The Holy Spirit's faithful to convict us of our sin. He's the convictor. And when he convicts us of our sin, he wants us to be quick to repent and return. Why? Well, it goes on, that verse says, so that you, so that your sins will be wiped away. God wants to wipe away our sins. In order that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Everybody wants a refreshing of the Lord, but some don't want to repent. And the only way you're going to get the refreshing, times of refreshing from the presence, think about that, of the Lord, is when you repent and when you return. Get back in, in good grace, in good fellowship with the Lord. Hallelujah. God doesn't want our sins to separate us from the Lord. Now, I don't know where you're at today. God does. But he loves you so much. And, you know, God has called us to work together as a team. And we all have our part to play. And uh, he wants us to love one another, respect one another, 
Enjoy one another. Fight for one another. Build with one another. And uh, maybe there's an area the Lord has really been speaking to you about one of these things that I mentioned that you're really having trouble with. Uh, you're having trouble overcoming in that area. Uh, and so I just want to invite you to come up, and we're just going to pray for you, ask God to help you, and um, to change the situation. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Just receive from the Lord today. Hallelujah. It's no accident that you're here and that God has called you. We're all called of God. We're all called to be faithful to Him. And you know, I, I think back at so many times how the devil could have killed me. He wanted to kill me. He wanted to kill me because he knew the call of God on my life. He wanted to sidetrack me. He wanted to get me down a path that was not the path of righteousness. God will always lead us down the path of righteousness. This is the... We're in 23 now. Think about Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want shall not want. Hallelujah. He leads us down the path of righteousness. He's not going to lead us down a path of unrighteousness. You know, when, when you have a decision to make, you can say, is this righteous? Is this a right thing to do? Or is this a wrong thing to do? before God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just everybody stand and hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you for your word, God. Hallelujah. Thank you for everybody here, Lord. You love everybody so, so much, Lord. You've got so much in store for each and every one. Hallelujah. So if you'd like prayer, I just want to invite you to come down and we're going to pray for you. Okay? Doesn't matter what it is, whatever you're kind of having a, a, an issue with, doesn't matter what it is. God, God's here to help you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Father, we just thank you for her sister, and we just bless her right now in the name of Jesus. Nothing too hard for you, Lord. We thank you for touching her and ministering to her right now. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for the sweetness of your spirit, God, that's rising up within her, God, just to cause her to do things she never dreamed that she's wanted to do, but but never dreamed that she could really do it because it seemed like every time she would try to do those things, they'd be short-circuited, almost like sabotage would come. But Lord, that's over. You're breaking that power right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, just thank you for this sister. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, she's just going to continue to radiate your glory because you are bringing her from glory to glory and from faith to faith. And you're causing her, Lord, just to experience your presence in a greater and greater way. And not only is she going to experience your presence, but she's going to bring your presence. She's going to bring your presence, Lord. Hallelujah. Wherever she goes, hallelujah. Because she's a carrier of the very presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for this couple, Lord, that you've called, Lord. And things have not been easy and just see that there's been a lot of difficult things that you've had to process. But the Lord's saying that I'm going to process those things. And I see there's certain things that you just, the Lord said, just release them. Don't, Don't try to hold on to them. Cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. And I'm going to work it out, and I'm going to show you, and I'm going to begin to move you along that path. That you've seen it. You've seen the path. And you've wanted to walk the path. And you've seen me work in so many magnificent ways, says the Lord. But I want you to know that I'm putting you on a new path. You're going to be so excited because you're going to see this new path and you're going to begin to walk in this path and you're going to begin to be very fruitful in the ministry that God has given you. You've had a heart for my people. You've had a heart for my people. And you're going to see me work in marvelous ways. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Victory.
Victory, victory, victory. It's a new day, says the Lord. It's a day of joy and gladness. It's a day of victories to be won. I've called you to be victorious, says the Lord. I've called you to rise up. And I'm enabling you. I'm enabling you, says the Lord. I'm enabling you to rise up (laughs) and begin to experience my goodness and my life working in you. For truly I am doing a work in you. Don't take that lightly. I'm doing a work in you. I'm doing a powerful work in you. So rise up. Rise up. Shake off the discouragement. Shake off those things that would try to bring you down. Knowing that in me, says the Lord, you have victory. Because I have called you to be more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. Um, there's a, I believe it's in Psalm 1, it's in more than one place. Like a tree by, planted by the water that shall not be moved and will bear much fruit in its season. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, just bless her. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For I've given you a compassion for others, says the Lord. And you're going to move with that compassion. I want you to lay hands on the sick, and I'm going to heal them as you're faithful. As I prompt you by my spirit, says the Lord, to lay hands on the sick. As you get their permission, lay hands on them and believe me to work in powerful ways to heal them and restore them. And not only is it going to be physical healing, uh, says the Lord, but it's going to be inner healing that's going to take place in their heart. There's so many that I've connected with you that are suffering heartache. They're suffering wounded spirits, and I have called you to bring healing to them by ministering to them, laying hands upon them, and proclaiming my word, my word of liberty. And truly, the chains are going to fall off of them, and they're going to be set free, and they're going to experience my greatness. They're going to realize that I am the Almighty One that there's nobody like me, that I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever, says the Lord. And I hear the words vessel of love. He's made you a vessel of love. That's what he's made you to be, of his love on this earth to others, and he's making you more and more into that. So stay yielded to him. Listen to him.
Lord, I pray you'd open her spiritual ears to hear you, Lord God. Her spiritual eyes to see you, her spiritual heart to feel you, Lord God, that you can make her more and more into a vessel of love on this earth. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Father, thank you for this sister. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. That's going to be okay. And I, I, I just hear the Lord say he's, he's restoring those things. Restoration. And uh, you've been through some very, very difficult situations, hard things. And um, But the Lord wants you to know that he's a redeemer. He's your redeemer. And he is bringing restoration to your, to your soul. And he's, he is healing. He is healing you from things of the past that have really caused a hindrance in your life in so many different ways. But he wants you to know that he loves you and that he's working and that he's pleased with your commitment to him. He's very pleased, and he's going to work all these things together for good. For truly, I've called you, says the Lord. Man didn't call you, I called you, says the Lord. And I've chosen you, and I am bringing redemption even into your life. I'm causing you to experience my love and my goodness in greater and greater measure, says the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in thee, Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name forever. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, this, this, this praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Ha- have a seat for just a couple of minutes. You know, I'm uh, reminded, Joe, when you're talking about uh, you and Joyce getting married and the things you had to go through to be able to adjust. You know, Dr. Ted Roberts says that the Lord gives you a wife for one reason, to crucify you. That's a good thing. Life comes later, praise God. Uh, Just want to remind everybody that uh, we're on the uh, Covenant Series on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock, 6.45 for a snack. And uh, we've had a great ride in this, and we still have a couple of weeks left, so please take advantage of that. On Palm Sunday, which happens to be April the 2nd, okay, that's two weeks from today, uh, we're going to have a family meal uh, together following the service. So we'll tell you more about that uh, next week. Uh, we want you to come worship and be fed during and after the service on April the 2nd. And something that not even Reverend Brad knows about yet. We would like for you to start writing a question that you need answered from the Word. And we're going to, now we're only going to take a couple or three of these. 
but we're going to do that on April the 2nd. And then if we have a lot of questions, then we can carry over to another week and handle those. Any question that you have on the Word of God, don't get silly, okay? Be serious. Iman. And uh, we want to take a few minutes. We'll probably do that at the eating deal. Uh, but we may do it in the service too. But just drop them in the uh, bucket back there, the little box. You can write on a piece of paper, write it on a connection card. There's plenty of those back there. Write it on there. And just anything, maybe it's a verse, maybe it's something else. And uh, Byron, you can't do that, okay? Anybody else can. And uh, <laughs> uh, we have a lot of fun back and forth. You know, he's, he's going to pull some first century question out for me and something like that. I'm not as old as he is, see, so... <laughs> Okay, so uh, take advantage of that. Amen? Uh, just remember that uh, God loves you uh, because you're a cheerful giver, and we appreciate your generosity. How many of you want to be fat? Okay. It actually says, and I wrote it in this wonderful little book that I have that somebody gave me a while back. I love this verse. Proverbs 11.25. And there's a whole list of things there. But verse 11.25. NIV says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. But I also like King Jimmy in this one. The liberal soul shall be made fat. And he that watereth shall be watereth also himself. You say, well... You mean if you give more money, you get... No, that's not what it means. The word, the Hebrew word that's translated fat has a figurative meaning, and it means the anointing will be increased. So as you're generous, not because you can buy anything from God because you can't keep your money in your purse or your pocket, if that's your purpose. But when we give liberally, generously, God gives us a, an anointing that is for his purpose to be used later on, okay? It gives us an extra measure of grace. It gives us an extra lift. It gives us the ability to maybe hear from God closer. I don't know. It, it, every one of us is going to work in something different. But I do know the Word of God promises that. And so do it with a cheerful heart and a generous heart, and don't try to buy God for anything because his jewels are not for sale. Okay, he'll give you the real ones. So praise God for that. We appreciate your generosity as you tithe and as you bring offerings. And uh, please remember our guest speaker because uh, he would also like to be able to give generously and he may even become fat. You never can tell. So whatever. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for being able to come together together. We thank you, Lord, for sealing the work that you've done in each and every person today and bringing forth an increase of 30, 60, 100-fold return to the Word of God and what the Word of God stands for. There is an increase in the Word as we take it and believe it and receive it and let the Word of meditation be lively in our heart. All the time, God, bring us into remembrance of the things that you would have us to remember and destroy those things that we don't need to be thinking about. We give you the glory and the praise and the honor 
all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Be dismissed, please.